Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, what is going on, people? It is episode 37, number 37 of Unfiltered. You know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means another episode of Unfiltered has commenced. Of course, you're listening to your podcast, though. It's everywhere you get your pods. If you're not, uh, First, link it on my Twitter at Casey Stern. Join the Unfiltered Revolution. For those of you watching me on YouTube, you can get this thing and continue along the way on the YouTube side of things. Also, uh, you can uh, be a part of this, of course, uh, through Twitter. And uh, I'm happy to have all of you on board the revolution. Keep it coming. Keep the information coming. Keep the questions coming and the DMs and all sorts of ideas. And, and we'll kind of bounce along uh, along the way here. Um, interesting episode I think you're going to enjoy coming up here that I'm entitling for episode 37. I'm calling this episode De Goats and De Horses Asses. De Goats and De Horses Asses. Let me explain. We're going to get into on this show, among other things, the goats, the greatest of all time in different sports that we've watched and how difficult some of these conversations are and with the Serena retirement announcement being part of why I'm kind of roping this in here. We're going to talk about the horse's asses because Kyrie uh, continues to lasso himself in the conversation. We're going to get into the goats in the game of this season in Major League Baseball and how they're separating, I think, from the rest of the horse's asses in terms of pretenders in the league. So a lot to get to. I want to start with the number 37 today. There are two numbers in... Yeah, you know, all the numbers of the birth dates of my kids aside, there are two numbers that have really kind of meant something to me in, in my life. 17, which has always been my favorite number, and it's also the date of my birth. Again, uh, don't do it on Facebook because I don't go on there anymore, but feel free on the 17th of October to tweet me uh, any gifts you'd like. I take e-cards, e whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, the other one's 37. 37 being the number that Casey Stengel wore. I was named after Casey Stengel in a family full of Yankee fans. Named after Casey Stengel, the manager of the Yankees, not the same Casey Stengel who managed uh, the Mets, who had kind of the reverse situation uh, with what Joe Torre had, who managed the Mets first and then had all the success with the Yankees. Very important number in my life. And my bar mitzvah on October the 19th of 1991, in the Wayback Machine, there was a big uh, Casey Stengel with 37, which was like the thing everybody signed. I don't know. My mother probably got that somewhere in her closet somewhere. I, didn't, I don't have it. But 37's always been big to me, so we've got to make this one count. So because it's a goat number for me, we're talking goats today, and I want to start with the Serena thing, and we're going to get into a lot of baseball here, but I want to rope it in this way, okay? Let me start with a factual, what I believe is a factual statement. Because it's, it's opinion. I mean, look, it, you know, two plus two is four is a fact. Everything else, you know, right, is, is opinion. Spencer Strider likes BABIP. You know, he's kind of, you know, a jackass. That's not an opinion, I don't think. Not for liking BABIP, but for the way he used it, just before people at me and get mad at me. Serena Williams is the best tennis player that's ever lived. 
She's not the best women's tennis player that's ever lived, which she is, but alone. That's not her statement. She's not the best Williams sister, which she is. And by the way, Venus was very good too. But Serena Williams, and I, I've loved tennis my whole life. Serena Williams is the best tennis player that's ever lived. Okay? That's a fact. I hate when we say, you know, she's the best female tennis player. Because, and I'll tell you what made me think of this, and I was having this conversation actually uh, by the pool the other day with some people who live in my building, and it, it, I wrote it down. I was like, I want to do an episode on this, and it just kind of fit in with the Serena thing. This is before she even had announced her retirement. But we were having a conversation, and I'm curious. At me at Casey Stern, and get, get at me and get your thoughts and comments on the YouTube channel. Obviously, like and subscribe and tell all your friends and all of that because, uh, you know, that helps support the people, people helping people. I like it when she jokes, all that stuff. But we were talking about this, and... It got me thinking about goats because we were having the conversation. Somebody said about basketball, and they were talking about where LeBron had fit in, and we were discussing Kevin Durant because I even hear Kevin Durant, and it's like you know, all of a sudden I get the heebie-jeebies, and I start having a conversation with whoever about Kevin Durant because this stuff's driving me nuts. But we started having a conversation about LeBron, and we're talking about the greats ever, and I'm going to get into the NBA in a second, but just to you know, get to the, the point of how this started, I said Michael Jordan's the greatest ever, but I don't even think that you could say that without saying in my lifetime, because I never, look, you know, I saw Kareem at, you know, the 80s, right? I didn't see Bill Russell. I didn't, you know, I've met Bill Russell. I had the pleasure, the, the, which is Man, what a tough month for sports between Vin and Bill Russell and some of the guys that we lost. But I, I had the pleasure of meeting him briefly. Watched him, obviously, tons of videos. Seen him at speaking engagements. What a what a what a what a a, a fantastically humble and intelligent and, and just impactful gentleman he was and gentleman. But I didn't get to watch Bill Russell's career. I didn't watch Wilt Chamberlain's career. So it's kind of hard for me. And then you've got positions. Well, Jordan was a guard. And, you know, what about the big men? And do they matter? And then the errors. And you get all that stuff. But I always say, like, in my lifetime, right? In my lifetime, there are three goats that I feel supremely confident about in their sport where I'm sure they're the best that there's been. And I want to tell you, before people yell at me and say, Tiger, that I would probably say Tiger, but because I don't like golf and I'm not a golf guy, I feel like, even as a fan, stay in my lane. So I don't really go there. I, I probably would, but then I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, not like these other things are fact and you can come at me with whatever, but I would feel like, okay, like I don't know enough. I don't want to get caught with my pants and what, what about this guy? What about that guy? You know, I, I'm not going to start talking about Arnold Palmer and, you know, which to me, I used to bartend more of a drink. Like, you know, I don't. I'm mean, talking about Jack Nicholas, right, or Greg Norman, or you know, I, I I'm not going to get into all that. Phil Mickelson, etc. Right, I'm going to name every golfer that's ever lived. <laughs> you know, you get the point, right? So, I I leave golf out. Excuse me, I got so excited. I got so excited that I tripped up the microphone. I apologize, but I I leave I leave golf out for that reason. I do. Because I, I don't really know what the answer is in terms of golf. I don't know what to say. I don't know who's been, you know, the, the you know, what er, how eras change and how that changed things. I mean, it just, I, it's, I don't, I don't understand it as much. I don't know, right? 
So I leave golf out of it. I do believe that for me, the three that I feel strongly about, I'm supremely comfortable that they're the greatest that have ever lived. But I, I kind of quantified in some cases with my lifetime when I haven't seen others. And there are only three. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, Serena Williams. Those are the three. Now you want to tell me Michael Phelps, or you want to give me like some gymnast or Simone Biles. Again, like nothing wrong with any of these choices, just not in, in, my, not in my arena, right? Wayne Gretzky is the best hockey player that's ever lived. That's, to me, hands down. He's the greatest GOAT of my lifetime because the guy's got more assists than anybody else had points, which for anyone who doesn't follow hockey are goals and assists. The fact that he was that good and that dominant, it's ridiculous. It's literally absurd that he was that good for that long a period of time and that he was so dominant. Mario Lemieux was probably the second best hockey player I ever saw play. And he's certainly a candidate for, but then you got you know, Gordie Howe and Bobby Orr and you know other guys that are in there. But Wayne Gretzky's the greatest hockey player of all time. I don't even think it's close. I think the greatest in the goats of like, okay, who are we sure is the number one in whatever the four major sports, especially stay there, right? It's Wayne Gretzky, the first, because it's a bigger gap between him and everybody else than there is between, you know, Michael Jordan, where you could give me, whether it's LeBron, you want to tell me, or, you know, more likely for me, whether it's a Kareem or a Bill Russell, and certainly right in there, you've got the, you know, then you get into the Kobe mix and Magic Johnson and, you know, whoever else you got in there, right? But Wayne Gretzky, there's no conversation for me, all right? There, there's none. That dude's the best hockey player that's ever played, all right? I mean, he was more dangerous behind the net than most guys are in front of it, all right? That's an end game for me. Michael Jordan is then the next one in my lifetime. Look, I watched him beat my Knicks up so many times. And to me, the thing about MJ was, and I mentioned this in, when I was crushing Kevin Durant yesterday, but it's true. Like, you know, look, and I, I defend LeBron this way. I've mentioned the Kyle Korver thing. But Michael Jordan would make other guys more confident, make them better. Even the way he treated people, you watch like the last dance. It's like there was some way he, he'd always find a way to get the Scotty Burrell to rise to the right occasion. Steve Kerr, Paxson, the guys hitting the shot. You know, Scotty Pippen was amazing, right? But when Michael Jordan was gone, then all of a sudden the Knicks were walking in and Scotty Pippen sulking on the bench, okay? Michael Jordan wasn't going to be sulking by himself if Scottie Pippen wasn't there. The Knicks wouldn't have beaten them. They wouldn't have. You take Pippen off those teams and you leave Jordan on, the Knicks wouldn't have beat him any of those times, I don't believe. I really I, Look, I'm a giant Knicks fan. I was, remember the one time they took him to six, the next time they took him to seven. It didn't matter, right? Once in a, a conference semis, once in a conference final, in back-to-back -back years. It didn't matter. They weren't going to get there. Michael Jordan's the dude, all right? Those are the two that stand out for me. And I'm curious, again, at Casey Stern, you know, or comment in the, in the YouTube side of it. I'm curious where you are on those two. Because those two are, I'm, I'm going to, and I feel like in Wedding Crashers, erroneous, erroneous, it may be erroneously, but I'm going to give those as the givens. Those are the givens for me. Like, I feel good about, I, I know Gretzky and I know that Jordan were the best that I ever saw, and I think the best that ever lived in each of their sports. But I was saying this, then when I was talking to people this is like this past weekend, even before I knew about the retirement, 
Like, Serena's the other one that I've always thought. Look, I, Roger Federer is fantastic, right? But to me, you know, then you had Nadal, and okay, he wasn't as good, but he beat him sometimes, and then Nadal had a great career, and then he had Djokovic, and then before that, it's like, you know, what about Pete Sampras, and what about this guy, and what about... There's no what about anything with Serena. Like, I'm sorry. Like, what about who? Like, tell me. Steffi Graf, Monica Seles... Look, Martina Navratilova, Chrissy Everett Lloyd, it's a different game. Those women would not have beaten Serena Williams, not consistently, for sure, not consistently. No way. Now, you want to tell me it's a different era and it's a different game and, look, the entire sport serves head spe- I don't. Whatever you want to tell me, right? You go ahead and at me all you want. But Serena would have beat any dudes you would have put in front of her, in my opinion. And Serena was so far and away better than any women's tennis player I've ever seen or that's ever played, sorry, that I don't even think it's close. I mean, look, if, if you take away, and I'm not at all chastising her for this, do you take away like Serena having a family or stepping away for other obligations? Or then she just like was only locked in and was like gym rat tennis, you know, in the last 10 years, like she was the 10 before that? She would have smoked people even worse than she has. Those are the goats for me. Those are the three. Because here's the thing. In baseball, you can't do that. And this is one of the great things about baseball. You can't do that in baseball. Like in baseball, everything is so different from each other. You almost can't. Everything's apples to oranges. First of all, you, you almost can't give me a pitcher because then someone's going to say, well, they didn't play every day. They play one every five days. And pitchers are in their own category. That's why they have the Cy Young. That's why they shouldn't win the MVP, right? All that argument, right? Then you're going to have the different eras. Is it the steroid era? Is it the dead ball era? Is it this era? Did I make an error? What about their defense? You got a million. What position they play? Well, defensively, Barry Bonds is a left fielder. Nobody cares about left field. You know, because I would tell you, and I remember seeing Barry Bonds. First time I saw Barry Bonds play live was in Pittsburgh at Three Rivers with my father at a Pirates-Braves game. Tom Glavin pitched. It was in 90, 1990. Might have been 91. I think it was 90. And Barry Bonds was like a leadoff dude, stealing tons of bases, winning gold gloves like they're nothing, unbelievable athlete. Like, I mean, a dude. That dude's a Hall of Famer, like, given talent before his head grew or any of the 70 home run nonsense. And I know people hate hearing that. Look, you want to tell me you shouldn't be in because he cheated and that's your prerogative, not the way I look at the Hall of Fame, you know, because to me it's like it's not the Hall of Great People, right? Barry Bonds, ever, I've said this in a previous podcast, but I'll repeat it again for anybody who didn't hear it the first time I said it, which I think was in – it was one of the list episodes. But in my 20 years covering the game, every single player – that played on a field that Barry Bonds played in, every single one, because it would stick out if one didn't. And I would tell you, like, at least there's one, or if I could, I would tell you his name. And for some reason, they you know, said I shouldn't. I'm talking off the air. I'm talking conversation. Every single, every single player that I ever asked, every single one about Barry Bonds and was he the best player that they had ever played against or seen play or played with if they were a teammate, who was the best player? Like, without even, like, quantity qualifying it with Barry. Like, who was the best player you ever played with or against during your career? And all the way from the beginning of Barry's, and this is 20 years I'm covering it, or people who played before I was watching it, with, right, it towards the end of the, the, the 80s, early 90s when Barry jumped in, all of that, right? 
every single person, every single player, even the ones who were ticked off at you steroids, even the ones who wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame, even the ones who didn't like the guy, and I had all that, including former teammates, right? Every single one, every single one said the best player they ever saw on a field that they were with on the same team or against was Barry Bonds. Every single player. I'm sorry, I'm taking their word for it. Thank you. That's a that's a goat. But the hard part is that I have to qualify. Now I don't qualify because of steroids. I qualify that in my lifetime. You know, it's like why well, I don't put it almost in, in what I'm calling like it's my big three of, of the goats I'm sure about in my life. Gretzky, Jordan, Serena. All three are the best all time in their sport. I, in my lifetime shit, you could throw that out the window. They're the best in their or th- all three. Gretzky, Serena, and and Jordan are the best three to ever play in their sports. Barry Bonds, you know, even without the steroid stuff, not qualifying it because of that reason. Then you've got, okay, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't, my, my father's will tell me it's Willie Mays. Then you're going to have people say it's Ted Williams. I mean, the guy hit 400, right? Then you're going to have people say, well, I don't want to hear about any outfielders. It should be a shortstop. You know, everybody's got their own, you know, f- there's so many different ways you can impact a baseball game that it's hard to do it this way because you just don't know how to put everybody in the same basket. Everybody's got kind of their own thing. Because of that, it makes it really difficult. It makes it very, very difficult. But for me, Barry Bonds is the best player I ever saw. That I know. That I'm very confident in. Like somebody tells me, hey, I'm 44, I'm 44. And they say, no, it's Ken Griffey Jr. No, it's not. And I love Jr. No, it's not. Mike Trout? No, it's not. And I love Mike Trout. It's not. I don't care what stats you want to throw at me. It's not. Shohei Otani in a category of his own. Because if we put Otani in there, then we can't put Gretzky, Jordan, or Serena in there. Because what Otani's doing is like, it's it's like a, I mean, it's he's a cheat code of, of not even human. I don't even know why. It's amazing what this guy's doing, right? And it makes it kind of hard to quantify him like in an MVP race. Because what we can do, give it to him every year just for showing up. What the guy's doing in general is just craziness, right? But I think it's Jordan, it's Serena, and Gretzky are the three for me. And I'd probably go in the reverse order in terms of how sure I am. I go Gretzky, then Jordan, then Serena. But all three, they're the goats. Bonds in my lifetime, but I, you know, it's it's really harder to kind of put that into context because baseball's so interesting that way. And again, I'm curious. Uh, un- Unfiltered Revolutions about you and me and me and you and all of that together. Together again. I mean, let me know. I'm curious what your thought is on this and let me know in the comments. But I really, I'd go bonds in my lifetime, but it's hard. Like, you, you just don't know where that conversation goes because there's so many different apples and oranges kind of things with baseball. Pitching, of course, being a total thing in itself. Your best pitcher, can you say a pitcher's the best player? No hitter is going to tell you a pitcher's the best player. That's why they can never win MVP in, a, in an everyday player's mind, right? So, I'm curious kind of where people's takes are on that. But I wanted to mention that just because, I, you know, I'm tired of hearing like Serena is like the best female tennis player. She's the best tennis player that's ever lived. Okay. Facts. Facts. That, that's it. Now let's get to horses' asses. I don't know if this report is, is correct. Right. And I, I don't know Rick Buecher well. I know him a little bit. Um, you know, been around a long time. And as of putting up this podcast, so I'm always careful with this. Like, I haven't seen, like, you know, several reports on it. We're talking about a report. But I want to comment on it anyway because 
look, sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. Other times it's like, okay, does that sound like something the person would do? Like if you know somebody that's like, you know, a, a, they're a, a P's and Q's, really good person, blah, 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 and you find out they do something terrible, you can even more so give them benefit of the doubt because it's, it's not their MO, not what I say the back of their baseball card, right? Rick Buecher reported earlier today that he was told Kyrie asked in his new contract with the Nets to guarantee that he wouldn't have to play more than 60 games in a season and would not have to play any back-to-back games. And then to which I tweeted, and also then guarantee himself to be, as I've said, in like unlikable. Kyrie is a horse's ass, okay? I am sick of hearing about what this guy thinks about what, what uh, shape the earth is. I'm sick of his stances on vaccinations. I'm sick of his stances on what play he thinks he should have. I mentioned way in an earlier podcast where his name had come up. I wasn't trying to get it just came up. It just happened. It's a big shot. He had a big shot, but I don't want to hear about he's better than LeBron. He's not LeBron. LeBron's dragged dudes. Kyrie's only dragged himself. Kyrie went to the Celtics. Not only did he get outplayed by Gordon Hayward, not only did those kids, they couldn't stand him by the end because he's so goddamn entitled, but when he was done and he was getting the media, and I was doing postgame for this on Turner at the time, the game that got knocked out when he was a Celtic, when the media is saying to him, <clears throat> like, hey, how do you, you know, it, it was, I, I don't remember it verbatim, so I want to you know, be careful of the context, but he went something like four for 30. He did not shoot well at all. It took like 30 shots. You have to go back and look at the exact thing. But the idea of the question from the media member was, do you think he should have taken less shots? Because clearly it was clear he was not being a great teammate on or off the floor at that point, and we didn't need the Celtics players to tell us that. I mean, it was clear. Like, you're not even a good teammate. Sorry. 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 Your ball handling's amazing. You're not even a good teammate. Like, sir, I mean, anyway. So his comment, go back and look. I remember I was doing a post game. He came right to us afterwards. His comment was, I should have taken more shots. Like, first of all, good shooters could always shoot, but you're not Clay Thompson. That's number one. Number two, if you're the leader of a team that just lost and you got all kids around you outside of Gordon Hayward, those are all kids going through it the first time, and your message that they're going to hear in the back is, I should have taken more shots when you're getting kicked out? I mean, that's a joke. I think it was the year Toronto won. That's a joke. Like, are you serious? So when I heard this, you think, and look, I mean, we know about the contract demands and questions. I mean, you know, he and KD belong together. I mean, honestly, these two, it's like Forrest and Jenny. Can we get them together? This is like the gatekeeper and the key master at this point in terms of their own personalities. By the way, I think, you know, look, only the Warriors. Look, let's be fair. Kevin Durant, everywhere else he went, he hasn't won jack. JaVale McGee hadn't been a winner, became a winner with the the Warriors. What's about the Spurs culture, right? Andrew Wiggins, Warriors, go look what happened, right? Quinn Cook wasn't in the league. Warriors, go look at what happened. I can give you a million other different scenarios of all different kinds. Guess what, Katie? You're in that scenario because you don't make anybody win either. But Kyrie, does anybody would anybody be surprised if this is true? I bet it is true because this guy is a horse's ass. That's what this guy is. I hate hearing his name mentioned with my, my dude and my friend Isaiah Thomas. I hate hearing his name mentioned with Steph Curry. Who, look, we don't even know what Steph is. He's like, you know, an enigma in himself. He's not really a point guard. And positions have changed and all of that. But Kyrie, I mean, who's not really a point guard. Is he a shooting guard? I don't know what he is. He's not Allen Iverson either. Sorry. 
AI took a lot of shots sometimes, was selfish sometimes. That dude wanted to win. That dude threw his head in front. That dude was, was like my size. I mean, okay, he was bigger than me, but seemingly. And we're going to the paint. He scored 100 points right now with, with, the, with the Charmin defense. You got in the paint in some of these NBA games. Are you kidding? I remember uh, working with Rod Strickland a couple of times, who's also one of the more underrated point guards of his era. But I remember telling him, like, I think he would have scored 80 points a game because of how easy it was for him to ball, ball handle. By the way, he's right there with Kyrie, and, you know, they have obviously a relationship. And, you know, he could have gotten in the paint anytime he wanted. But Kyrie Irving's a fantastic player. But this guy's a horse's ass. I'm only playing in 60 games. I'm not playing in back-to-backs. I'm sorry. I thought the reason you couldn't play with your big vaccinations, it was the big, like, you know, your stance on the world, right? Well, if now you won't play and you're taking 20 games off, what's the reason now? You could play them all. You don't want to play them all. You're not playing back-to-backs. I'm sorry. Kudos to Francisco Lindor, who hasn't taken a day off all season. And yesterday, Buck Showalter is like, hey, we won a lot of games. Phillies are coming up. It's the Reds. Sorry. Go take a day off. Dude said no and got four hits. What the hell? Kyrie Irving, this dude is a jackass, okay? And let me tell you something. There are a lot of players that I have, I've said this before, and I, you know, it's not my place to mention names. It's not about like I'm hiding it from you. Like if I, if it's my place, my place. If it's not, it's not. There are players in the, in the league that I've covered in baseball that people think are well-liked that are not. I think of one that just whose face just popped out in my head, like, like unlikable to other players, and, and is seemingly thought of as very well-liked. But, you know, people aren't going to come out and say, no, you have that wrong. They wouldn't say it to me, and then I can't say anything. They're going to say it publicly. I don't care. You know, and I'll use another example in baseball. It's like I talked to people in the clubhouse after the Steven Strasburg thing. I talked to people who were on that team, and everybody said the same thing we were saying, and I said it on the air that time, that it's a joke. They can't believe it. Davey Johnson, the day that he announced his next that season was going to be his last season, the next day he admitted that he couldn't stand it. They all hated it, but they all said the right things. Well, you know, we understand it's part of the business, and we're doing what's best for Steven and whatever they think is the best, and he's our teammate. And I had people you know, at, yelling. It wasn't even adding. It wasn't even Twitter then, I don't think. They were, like, yelling at me, telling me, like, on the air, I remember, like, oh, you're an idiot. Like, look, didn't you see such and such teammate said that they were totally behind it? What do you think they're going to say, people? They're on a team. You think they're going to, with, with, you know, somebody's writing their check. You think they're going to say, well, they're idiots, and this all sucks, and that guy's weak? What do you think they're going to say? You're not going to find out the truth. That's not them lying. That's they have a job and they kind of want to keep it, right? Their job is not to tell you the truth. They, they may tell their family at the table. They ain't going to tell you. They're not going to tell me. It, certainly tell me I can't tell you, right? That every single one of them couldn't stand it, just like you couldn't if you were there. Like, oh, no, you don't get it. No, no, trust me, you don't get it. That you don't realize that sometimes, and it's not because they're bad people, they got to tell you whatever. Let me tell you something. I don't care what anybody tells me. I would almost guarantee you 90% of the dudes who are always like, I love Kyrie and Kyrie's great and all this shit, is because either A, they think they got to play with him, B, they played with him, C, they're playing with someone who's friends with him so they can't say it, D, they got the same agent, the same shoe contract. They don't like the guy either. Would you like him? The guy is unlikable. He comes off like a total horse's ass. 
There's your goats and the horses' asses. A couple more things I want to hit, though. I want to get to the, the, the big leagues, and I want to get to the NFL for a second, too. Here on the baseball side, we are a, almost a, becoming a goats and horses' asses kind of a season for me. And I, this is going to really upset some people, so be prepared. Like they say in The Lion King, be prepared. Right now, in my opinion, the Mets and Dodgers look clearly like the best two teams in baseball. At me. That's fine. I don't care. The Mets are not getting any guaranteed. And by the way, the fact that I just said this, which is definitely, in my opinion, definitely true now, it, you sure as are in the ground, probably both go down with injuries the next two days. That's the, the luck that I've had as a Met fan. But the Mets and the Dodgers seem to be, by a margin, the best teams in baseball right now. The Astros are playing like 500 baseball. They're up, they're down. And I think in a postseason, they're dangerous. And, you know, Verlander and Altuve and Dusty and, you know, Bregman and Alvarez. And, you know, I mean, there's plenty of, right? The Yankees, Aaron Judge, what, 45 homers now and all those things. And that's great. And they still got a lot of talent. And it's okay to have a bad stretch. But they've lost seven of eight. They really have been like, you know, not even a top five team in the AL for like a month straight. They've watched their bullpen deplete, the King injury, issues with guys like your Chapman off the reservation, Garrett Cole not pitching well, trading Montgomery off the rotation for some reason after a bad Met outing. You know, they have, you know, putting Herman back, they've had all sorts of things go wrong with that pitching staff. You still got young guys who are racking up innings. You know, uh, this has not been a great stretch for the Yankees. Now, look, mind you, this does not mean that they or the Astros cannot pull it together. Baseball's a long season. But those two teams right now don't look great, and the Astros definitely look better than the Yankees right now. Neither of them really look that good, and they don't even look as they don't even look close to as good as the Mets and the Dodgers are right now. Facts. The Padres, look at me, the Padres, who by the way have barely won a game since they got Soto. They I, I said this at the time of the deal that they weren't as good as people thought. And it's not some like I'm not poo-pooing them. I got no reason to hate the Padres. And I want Soto in the postseason, too. Is it a Met thing? This isn't anything. It's just facts. They're not that great. Sorry. Dodgers making them and the Giants look foolish every time they play them. I'm afraid of the Dodgers from a Mets standpoint. Who wouldn't be? They're the best team in baseball. They're better than the Mets are right now. They're the best team in baseball. Their run differential is like 2 million. It's only like 236, but it feels like 2 million. It's stupid. And, and I think, look, run differential can be, it's kind of a weird stat, but if it's if really blown up one way or the other, like the Padres is only like 40 over, that's kind of who they are. There are a few games over 500 kind of team people. That's who San Diego is. You can go shove it if you think otherwise. Sorry. Welcome to reality. People don't want truth. That's the truth. They're good. That's all they are right now. They're good. They're going to have to be way better than that to have any chance to do anything in October. And I still don't even believe they're as good as the Braves. At me with that. I don't care who the players are on the team. Go look at the way they play. And I ain't buying Manny Machado to go win anything unless somebody else dragging him there. Sorry. There's some more facts for you. Speaking of Kyrie. Somebody's going to have to drag Manny to get there. Now, Soto may do it. Somebody have to drag you Darvish to get there. Soto may do it. Sorry. Facts. Yeah. Josh Hader's postseason history, not great. Facts. Sorry. You know, this is reality. They're not the Dodgers. The Mets aren't even the Dodgers. Padres definitely aren't the Dodgers. Sorry. Hello. 
The Cardinals have played way better baseball the last couple weeks than the Padres have. The AL Central, I mean, Terry Francona, who, you know, look, I covered Tito in Boston, and he was a regular on my show uh, every week for eight years, and he is a gem and one of the great people in the game and always treated me with such kindness, especially I remember back in 2004 covering the Red Sox and looking like I was eight years old. And he was so kind to me and always was that way and has been my whole career. He's just a tremendous dude. But are we, we can never give this guy too much credit. Every single year, years they've lost players, traded away players, not spent at the deadline, spent at the deadline, had injuries. He's always got that team ready to play, ready to win. Always. No excuses. No, no woes me. You know, the Twins made some nice ads at the deadline. Wasn't enough. I've talked about that before. I'm not going to be surprised the Guardians win the division, but and I'm not taking anything away from any of the players, you know, any one of them, right? You got two former Mets that I, I have no problem with that you certainly have for players. You nail her. You get a lot of good stories. But look, I mean, Tito is a, obviously the dude at the back end of the bullpen, but Tito's a dude, okay? This is a Hall of Fame manager. We talk about impact. This guy's having as much impact as any baseball manager we've seen in our lifetime. Look what he's done. Go look what that dude's done. It's a that is that is a dude in terms of the coaching and managing ranks. You went about goats in our lifetime. What a what a fantastic job Tito's doing with that team. But they're not any good. I mean, they're not, they're just not. Okay? The White Sox are deplorable. Their season's been awful, and they're like two games out. The Orioles, I'm rooting, I'm rooting for like mad. Every night I root for the Orioles. Sorry, if you don't like me, that's fine. They will in Baltimore. I root for them every night. They're six games over 500. They're right now even Steven with the Rays in that three spot in the wild card. I want them in so badly. I think it's great. I think it's great for their fans. I think it's great for the city. I think it's great for the fan grass. People put them at 0.0. Take that and shove it where Strider's got his BABIP. I love that. Rooting for them every night. But right now, the Mets and Dodgers clearly look like the two best teams. And I don't even know other than that who's even that good. At me. That's fine. Because it's just, this is not, I, I, there are a lot of pretenders right now in this mix. A lot. And, you know, the Yankees, you know, you can give me, well, you know, it doesn't matter. The Astros have outplayed them. Okay, head-to-head it doesn't. I talked about the Mets-Dodger thing the other day, 11 out of 12 in 88, and went the other way. But, you know, then, now they're, they're playing poorly. You know, Garrett Cole's already, you know, had you know, issues with that lineup. I, there's a lot that... The Yankee thing doesn't feel very good right now. Now, that could turn around. It's only August, but it, and they've got a huge lead in the division. Doesn't feel very good. Curious your take on the races, the goats, the horses' asses. Last thing I wanted to, to ask, and this is a question. Does anyone really like preseason football? Look, I get, like, and I love football, all right? I get, like, y- your fantasy football draft. I get it. If you drafted one overall and it was a quarterback and you want to watch him in the first two series of a preseason game, I get it. If you want to watch Hard Knocks highlights of a, uh, highlights of a preseason game, I get it. How in the hell does anyone watch preseason football? First of all, you know that there's a certain level of respect that every guy's got for even guys on the other team like because you know they're all players and there's a players association. We're not going to try and get – he's not the Pro Bowl. But we're not trying to get each other killed here, right? And part of football is that – that mono a mono, I mean, you know, like somebody gonna get could get hurt. I mean, there's some violence in there. It's just the way it is, right? You're not having that in the exhibition anyway. Yeah, guys are only in there for a series, and I can't. I could go watch. I could go to a local field right now, and I could watch a game of two and touch that matters, 
and I'll get more interested because at least it means something to the eight kids on the field. Like, this, this, these games don't even mean anything. Brandon Nagel, when he was met, the quarterback of the Jets, was 5-0 and in a preseason. Go look it up. Did he win five games his whole career? Butch Husky uh, led one uh, spring in homers. I think he had 10. I don't know if he hit that in his Met career in a season. I mean, come on with this. Seriously. And there's a, a Browning Nagel pop for you. You can give us a pop. Unfiltered Revolution at Casey Stern. The Goats, all the way down to the horse's asses. I'm an equal opportunist. I accept you all. Let's make today count. Let's make tomorrow an even better day. And let's uh, stay together on this ride. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.